0: Following
1: is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
2: about them yeah!
3: Cowboys? Let's go, baby!
4: Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break?
0: Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for the break.
4: On
1: DallasCowboys.com We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton.
0: It is Thursday, November 5th, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 59. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Nick and Dave and Amber. We're going to be joined here momentarily by Bucky Brooks. Real quick, though. Before we get into our show and talk to Bucky about the Pittsburgh uh, defense versus the Cowboys offense, I did need to make an announcement for the fans out there listening. Election update? No, that's oh, okay. not what I'm going to do. Okay. But there is actually, we actually have a, a new way. That fans can listen to our podcast, and that's not just our podcast, the other four podcasts as well, which, you know, be as it may whether you listen to those or not, but Mm -hmm. certainly you're listening to Cowboys Break, Um, and so I wanted to let you guys know, if you haven't noticed yet, we have added that to our Alexa skill, so if you have an Alexa device, you have the ability to go to your Alexa and say, open Dallas Cowboys and play Cowboys Break, and it will play the latest version of Cowboys Break, and we'll go through as many episodes as you want to listen to, so you can do that as you're around your house, doing whatever you do, um, and just kind of tell your Alexa to play Cowboys break. So, we are now on another platform, we have another way for you guys to be able to check out our show, and uh, we love the fact that you guys have given us so much support over the years, this is just one more iteration, the next iteration, uh, in how we get more Cowboys content uh, to you. Alright, so, that being said, let's welcome to the show Bucky Brooks from NFL Network, let's talk a little Cowboys versus Steelers, today we are going to focus in on on the Cowboys offense versus the Steelers defense and what a good defense it is. Bucky, the first question I have for you is when you look at these two teams, there's obviously that there's obvious uh, obviously a really huge talent gap between the Cowboys offensive front and the Steelers defensive front. That being said, and I'm thinking more big picture what you've seen in your experience as a player, as a scout, and now as an analyst, what can teams do when you have that big of a talent gap between the two? What can teams do offensively to maybe lessen that or give you just a little bit more opportunity to at least do something and not just get completely
3: embarrassed? Well, I think a couple of different things, and I think this has to be a, col- a collective effort, meaning Kellen Moore, Mike Nolan, Mike McCarthy – Uh, John Fox, they all have to be on the same page In terms of how this game is played out Um, If you want to protect your Offense, the best way you can protect the offense Is to really slow this game down And I know early in the year when Dallas was Playing, they were playing really, really fast Trying to get plays off They were averaging two and a half plays every minute You don't want to play this fast against this Pittsburgh Steelers team because if you're not having success, you don't want to give them opportunities. Um, I think this is a game where you almost operate at a turtle tempo. Take the play clock down to about five seconds. Really drain the clock and see if you can make this game where you have anywhere from 10 to 12 total possessions. So not because of your talent, but because of the way that you play, you may be able to keep the game tight. And maybe you can put pressure on the Steelers to go make a play because you put yourself in a position to be there in the fourth quarter just by the way that you've conducted yourself in terms of operating at a very deliberate and slow tempo.
2: Bucky, yesterday Dave brought up the whole idea of the Wildcat formation, which I thought was pretty interesting. And I wanted you to talk a little bit more about that. We know what the pros can be for that kind of formation but what would be some of the cons for the Cowboys if they were to play those from that formation against the Steelers defense
3: well I mean the pros obviously you get the the additional blocker like when you're looking at offensive football most teams don't count the quarterback and so the defense always has a plus one advantage uh when it comes to matching up against the run game but now you remove the quarterback and put a viable running threat you now even the numbers and so now you have advantages when it comes to being able to run the ball inside and out because you've gained an additional blocker the cons are uh if your guy who is running the wildcat doesn't have the ability to throw at some point you're able to squeeze and collapse the box because you know that um, they can't throw. But I'll say this, and to bring up Texas lore, years ago when Art Browse was at Baylor, I watched him run for maybe 400 yards against Texas without a quarterback, all their quarterbacks that got knocked out. The following bowl game they played North Carolina, they ran for 700 yards, and they didn't have a quarterback. So in the National Football League, we have seen teams like – the Miami Dolphins, we saw the Carolina Panthers employ this strategy successfully. So it can be done. It's just that are you bold enough to try and employ this strategy when everyone is going to say it's an out-of-the-box way to play a football game?
5: Bucky, I, um, I'm probably going to steal this question from Dave, so I'm glad I'm going first here. When you were looking at the draft, did you, was T.J. Watt, <laughs> Was he someone that had to play in a 3-4 scheme, or is he good enough where he could have played in any scheme?
3: I mean, I think the 3-4 scheme is probably best for him, just in terms of the way they mix him with hand down, standing up, pressuring but it's all semantics three four four three what you ask the edge rusher to do in most of these defense is the same uh from a size standpoint he wasn't your traditional base in in terms of like how big he was and so depending upon how you deployed the defensive end he might not have been a great fit but he was a really good player And even though he was a bit of a, a one-year player for wisconsin in terms of the production uh you can see the traits and I don't know if anyone thought that he would blossom and emerge to being the player that he's been in Pittsburgh. So I would say he was a really good player, but I think his game has been elevated by the fact that he's playing in a scheme that puts him in a position to really make a lot of plays because they blitz at an alarming rate.
1: I actually uh, didn't want to bring up T.J. Watt because it's depressing. Uh, you know, I think we've covered, we've covered that situation pretty thoroughly. But I actually... So TJ Watt gets all the headlines, and understandably so, but me being the guy that's advocating for just running the ball as much as possible, I feel like maybe Cam Hayward and Tyson Alulu don't get enough credit for how good they are at run defense, and I'm curious if, if Tyler Biotish and Connor Williams are up to that task. I mean, that's a pretty nasty front that you're going against if you're going to be trying to run the ball.
3: Yeah, first things first. Before we can even talk about the personnel that the Steelers have, uh, whenever you play the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have to have the right mindset it is the most physical game that the Dallas Cowboys will be in. And they have to know that when you play Pittsburgh, like that is their calling card. That is the first thing that they're going to test you with, their overall physicality and aggressiveness. And so Tyler Beatish and all those guys up front, they have to really be able to weather the physicality and toughness. From a personnel standpoint, you're right. Those guys on the inside, Stephon Tua, Cam Hayward, Aluolo, those guys put a lot of pressure because they can control a scrimmage. And then, this is a team that brings more blitzes and pressure than any other team in the league. Well, second second most. 42.5% of the time, they bring in at least five-man pressures. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that pressure is not necessarily designed for the quarterback. It is designed to blow up the running game. And so you get a lot of movement, a lot of bodies around the box. And so you have to be able to sort out who's coming where in your gaps, while also dealing with the physicality. So they make it very, very challenging for you to be able to run the ball. And Mike Tomlin has already served notice. Ezekiel Elliott is the guy that they are focusing on. They're making a concerted effort to make sure that Ezekiel Elliott doesn't run the ball. And so this is going to be a test of wills. Who can impose their will on the other team? And so we'll see if the Cowboys offensive line is up to the challenge.
5: Derek, I just wanted to add a point. I remember right when the schedule came out, I talked to a coach and I said, what do you think about the schedule? And the first thing he said was, "Is I like the fact we have a bye after the Steelers because they're always very physical. That's the first thing the guy said, not like three in a row or anything to start the year or December. It was the bye week comes after playing Pittsburgh. And I thought that was interesting.
0: Yeah, and that's actually an interesting. I'll follow up on that a little bit because you look at this. I mean, it, for people like like me and Nick and Bucky, like that have been that are a little older, uh, we've been watching the Steelers like for generations, and it seems like they're. Their defensive prowess and who they are defensively has not changed. And Mm-mm. they've always been a tough they're, team. They've always been a physical team. Their city wouldn't accept them if they weren't. Well, and that's my that's the question I have for you, Bucky, is how is it that, because I, I would assume all teams are trying to get to, to that level of greatness, but to be able to be consistent with that, even with changing of coaches, which, they're again, they're not a franchise that changes coaches a lot, but even with the changes of coaches and skiing, how is it that they're able to be as dominant defensively as they've been for
3: generations? You know, Derek, I'm a big believer that your team almost has to reflect your city in terms of the style of play and the way that you are. Pittsburgh is a blue-collar, a hard-scrabbled uh, City and the team has to reflect that defensively. Defensively is how they claim those four Super Bowls during the Chuck Noll era. And so anybody that comes after that, you have to embrace that style. Now I will say this: as recent as three or four years ago, when they were governed by the Killer Bees, when it was Big Ben, mm-hmm. Levy, and Bill, and Antonio Brown, it was all about their offense. Mm-hmm. Their defense dipped. And they didn't have any significant wins. I think Mike Tomlin went back to the recipe and the formula that's been successful for them. It's about their defense. And when you look at this team that walks into the stadium, their defense has all the stars. Stefan Tewitt, Cam Hayward, T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, when, when Bush was there, Mika Fitzpatrick. Their best players are on defense. And it's not a coincidence that since they've turned it back over into being a defensive team, which started with the draft two years ago, They have now begun to play like we remember the Steelers playing in yesteryear. And so everyone is on board. And the way they're calling the offensive game, we talked about the offense yesterday about Big Ben and the quick dink and dunk, where Big Ben has no choice. It's not about the offense, it's about the defense, and they play it as such. And so it's a more conservative approach, even though they're scoring a bunch of points. Their defense is what really carries the water for this team.
2: Bucky, when you look at uh, the Cowboys offense, and we, we know about a, a Zeke popping up with a hamstring injury and I'm sure we're going to get into that later on the show, but when you talk about that and you look at the quarterback and the O-line and all the struggles that they currently have in the offense, who would be a guy? Or that could possibly bring some light to the offense and have potentially a good game for the Cowboys uh, when you look at matchups uh, specifically against this defense?
3: I think the guy that has to have a big game is Tony Pollard. And I think he has finally settled into the role that they have. him. I think early in the year like for whatever reason it was kind of disjointed uh, he was fumbling on kickoffs really couldn't settle in and I think they found a way for him to get going and I think hopefully as part of a bigger strategy. I think the magic number for the Cowboys each and every week should be 35 and 35 means the number of rushing attempts that they have. Not about the rushing yards but when you're playing with a hodgepodge of quarterbacks you have to be able to somehow find a way to control the game. The way that you can control the game is with the running attack because then it makes it easier for the quarterback to play against favorable looks the problem is can the offensive line generate a push against what is really a formidable front line from the pittsburgh Steelers? that is where the game will be won if they can create any kind of movement up front it gives them a chance and coming off a game even though we built the Steelers up to be like the best defense ever the Baltimore Ravens had success running the ball. Is there something in that tape that the Cowboys can steal to utilize against the Pittsburgh Steelers to find a way to control the game? That is what I'm curious. I'm curious to see if Kellen Moore can steal a nugget or two uh-huh. from Baltimore's approach and implement it to see if the Cowboys can have some success on the ground.
5: I'm glad you mentioned Kellen Moore because in your weekly article of Five Bucks, which if you haven't listened, if you haven't read that, you need to every <laughs> week because I'm telling you, Bucky, you seem conservative when you're sometimes in quiet, mild mannered, but you bring the heat in these articles. And your first one says, Kellen Moore needs a lesson in complimentary football. Can you explain on that, even though you did in the article? Explain on that a little bit.
3: Okay, I'm a firm believer that the Cowboys should have more wins than they should if they had just managed the game correctly in terms of just from a play-calling standpoint. Mm. Um, I think Perfect. it is... easy for for offensive coordinators to kind of operate in a silo by themselves, meaning I am just calling plays because I want to ring up these stats and I want to see if I can score points. And I'm not worried about what the defense is doing. I'm not worried about how the kicking game is going. But great teams, Everything is always working in unison. And the head coach's job is to make sure that he is telling the offensive coordinator, hey, we need to sprinkle in some more runs. Hey, we have them under control on defense, so you don't have to be as aggressive on offense because we have this game under control defensively. And the other team will give us a short field if we continue to do what we're doing. And I think for Kellen Moore, he is young as a play caller. He has to understand how to take all of that in and to make his play calls fit the style that the game is going. And so hopefully Mike McCarthy is pulled aside because we've heard him kind of touch on it. Like, hey, we, we we this is the style of play that we want, but I need Mike McCarthy to put a bigger imprint on this because he was known as a dynamic play caller. I'm wondering how long can he continue to go with Kellen Moore kind of running on his own and them not calling the game in conjunction with the way the rest of the team is playing.
1: Which kind of going off that. Okay, so I mean, you got to you got to find a way to manufacture big plays in a situation like this, right? I mean, last mm-hmm. week they they tried they they tried the trick plays, the reverses, the wide receiver throws, they did anything they could to to do that, and I assume, you know, Pittsburgh I would guess is going to put 9 or 10 guys in the box and commit to stopping the run. How do you manufacturer plays that'll back them off in this instance I mean is it as easy as saying just chunk some deep shots down the field we didn't really see that a ton last week the Nucci didn't have the accuracy to do it uh do you stick with trying the trick stuff I mean they're going to need to back the Steelers out of the box and how do you do it with a fourth quarterback
3: you can't play tricking football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, so that's that's not going to work. We all over that. You exhausted your trick plays last week. That's not going to be effective this week. I think the the advantages that the Cowboys have are on the outside. Despite me talking about the pressure and all the things that the Pittsburgh Steelers do in terms of knocking the quarterback around, they can be had on the outside by the Cowboys wide receivers. The trick will be, can the Cowboys manufacture some play action, max protection shots where they're able to get one-on-one with Amari Cooper or Michael Gallup or CeeDee Lamb down the field against this secondary? Because we don't talk about Joe Hayden and those other guys being premier cover corners. What we talk about is the pressure forcing the ball to come out and that is how they generate their turnover. I would think that even though you're playing with three wide receivers, hold the running back in, hold the tight end in, run some three-man routes, and take a handful of shots. I would say you need four or five shots this game to be able to score points. When you take them, they come at various times. But you have to dial up some big play shots. But I think max protection must come with those so you can be successful. All
0: right, Bucky, man, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, Real quick before we let you go, give us an an idea of what you think is going to happen this weekend and your final
3: score. I mean, this is a tough one, man. It's tough. As optimistic as I want to be about the Cowboys' offense, playing a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback against this Steelers' front is tough. And so I'm going to say the game tips in the Steelers' favor unless the Cowboys can avoid the turnovers and they can control the game by slowing the game down. If they don't opt to slow the game down, they don't have a chance of knocking off the Steelers. They cannot get in the track meet. They can't play toe-to-toe with them. They will get knocked out.
0: Appreciate it, Bucky. We will uh, get back with you. Actually, we won't be back with you next week. We'll be back with you the week after. Next week's bye week, so we won't have an opponent, but we'll be back with you the week after that uh, to start getting ready for that game. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to dive a little deeper into this Cowboys offense. I have some questions for these guys on this matchup. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio.
4: There's nothing as unique as our eyes, which is why SLR pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Verilux for super-sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Esselor. Essilor.
5: Get those fight t-shirts out because we've got the unified Mm. welterweight world champion Errol The Truth Spence Jr. He will duel two-division world champion Danny Swift Garcia in a blockbuster main event on Saturday, December 5th at AT AT&T Stadium. Get your tickets now before they sell out at SeatGeek.com. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The
0: Break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're going to talk a little bit of Cowboys offense uh, versus Pittsburgh's defense. I did want to make another announcement. Uh, Next week, we're going to do something a little fun with the podcast. Uh, We've been kind of tinkering around. I know you guys, we've done this before. But next Tuesday and Wednesday, we're actually going to mix things up. And all of the shows, they will be at their normal times with their normal hosts That will be the only thing that's normal about them, though. We're going to take the entire cast of every one of our five podcasts, and we randomly selected out of a hat who would be on each show, and we will find out next week who's going to be with me on the break. I can tell you for a fact that none of the three people you see right now will be on the break next week. God. Why'd you do that? I heard it last week. I just thought it was funny. Oh, okay, good. Uh, but this will be fun. This will be a lot of fun. We'll do that next week, next Tuesday and Wednesday. There will be no shows on Thursday and Friday for the bye week, but we will do that on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. Monday will be our normal show because we absolutely have to hear what Amber has to say after the Cowboys play the Steelers. Uh, but we'll jump back into, we'll jump <laughs> after into that. After
2: the Cowboys lose.
0: <laughs> we'll jump into that oh. on Tuesday and Wednesday and have some fun with it for the rest of the bye week uh, with some different casts on each of the shows. All right. Let's uh let's get into first some injury updates. There were two guys that were limited in practice yesterday. That uh, I don't know how much you guys were surprised, but my eyebrow raised a bit when I saw their names. Ezekiel Elliott has an am- a hamstring. Alden Smith has a knee. Are these just situations where they're just trying to manage things that are just bumps and bruises that happens throughout an NFL season, or is it more serious than that, Dave?
1: Yeah, I mean, Mike McCarthy said this morning that they're not serious issues. Um, you know, th- th- he said they might limit Zeke a little bit in practice today just to keep him fresh. Uh, and-, and Alden Smith as well. So I don't think that this is something that puts either of them in jeopardy for Sunday, but it is something that you got to watch because they love to take the whole week, and obviously they're never going to be completely truthful with the media when they're talking about this stuff. Mike McCarthy, maybe the biggest thing I've learned about covering him is he does not like talking about injuries. So. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not concerned right now But I do want to keep an eye on it you know, Moving forward over the next couple days Alright, let's
0: jump into this uh, conversation That we're going to have about uh, The Cowboys offense um, Let's start first with this question What will be the factors that Dallas will or should consider when trying to determine who their starting quarterback is going to be this weekend between Gilbert and Rush? And what do you think ultimately, who do you think ultimately will be the starter? Let's start with you,
5: Nick. I think it comes down to who understands the offense the best. I mean, you can look at measurables, arm strength, all that kind of stuff, but it's got to be who can process what we're trying to do. Remember, when the blitz is coming here or the safety comes down, I know that this receiver is supposed to stop here. It's just about recognition of the offense and what the design is. And that being said, I can't imagine that it wouldn't be Cooper Rush. So that's who I would go with if if that is the case. Whoever understands this offense the best would be the guy i go with. Amber.
2: This doesn't really help the defense, but... If it was up to me at practice, I would take time to allow the defense to win some of these matchups and create some pressure to the quarterback. And just based on that, see which of these two guys is able to make better decisions under those kinds of pressures, you know, just try to create somewhat a close environment as to what you might get from the Steelers on Sunday, which shouldn't be too hard with this kind of O-line right now. but. Just create the, a similar scenario just to see which of the two guys has better uh, reaction to to under pressure.
0: Just, just so I understand. But I would lean
2: towards Cooper Rush.
0: All right, just so I understand. Are you saying, huh? would you literally be like, all right, two offensive linemen, y'all just take the playoff. Let's just see what this looks like when guys just run through. Don't they already? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, mean,
2: I would be... I would go and say, okay, the guys on the online, let the defensive players win. Let them go through. <laughs> like, no. Don't play too hard, just let them swing through and allow the defense to make plays just to create pressure and to see what how the quarterback reacts. And to, based on that, that's what I would want create some false pressure because, you know, you're letting the defense win in that aspect, but just to kind of get a better feel as to how the quarterback reacts.
0: It's almost like you take the offensive line off the field and you do like two alligator, and you're like, y'all play two alligator defense, you got one alligator, two alligator, and then you go get the quarterback, and let's make sure he can get the ball out quickly because that's what he's going to have.
5: I don't know what that is. Y'all never.
1: There you go. Is that really? Did y'all not know what that alligator?
5: Is that Mississippi? It's Mississippi. No, it's Mississippi. I don't know what.
0: Who? Who's we? I've never heard that.
5: Texas. We say
0: one alligator, two alligator. That's how you play football when you had when you had to wait. To, to rush. Yeah, yeah. That's how we did it. Right, I got it. It's, it's Mississippi. Yes. It's, we did I, alligator. I get it.
5: Okay, okay. The four <laughs> percent of the world that did alligator, but to everyone else that's listening, it's Mississippi. Texas, don't, don't get us started. I've never. Been up I in, grew up in, <laughs> in, in, in
1: Louisiana, where there are alligators everywhere, and
5: I've never heard that. And y'all don't really okay. like people uh, from Mississippi. Anyways, true. I right. You know what I think is funny about what mm-hmm. Amber said is that is that. We have to let the defense – like, you guys are going to win this time. It's like they can't really do it on their own, yeah. you know. It's like, okay, we know you probably won't. So this time, even though that's kind of weird because I would imagine – I would imagine the defense has some success in practice. I don't know. I get your point, though. Get some, get some pressure yeah. on these guys because you're going to see it. Actually, what I would do is I would probably blitz. I would play like seven versus five. Like, that's what it's going to be. Yeah.
0: But, you know, honestly, what we've seen coaches do, and this goes back to, you know, years ago when when Parcells was here, what we've seen coaches do is just have that horn out there. And literally at two seconds or whatever it is, that horn goes off that forces a quarterback in his mind to know, regardless of what you're seeing right now in practice, this is the point where you need to be getting rid of the ball. because. Well, whatever it is, two you might want <laughs> to put it at one and a half seconds. Whatever it is, no, whatever it is, I think that is something we've seen coaches do just to make sure their quarterback is has a mental clock or starts to develop a mental clock of, this is how fast you need to get rid of the ball because they're going to be coming. God,
5: if it's too like, there's going I'm
0: gonna... glad
1: you brought up Parcells because that's who I thought Amber sounded like, to be honest with you. Like, that sounds like some old-school, like, 1980s stuff. Like, I want you to kill our quarterback, please, so we can see who's better at dealing with with stress. I I, I, I like the idea, though, to be honest with you. I thought it was interesting today. Uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people since since Andy went down. Just off the record conversations, talking with uh, friends, talking with you know, me and Nick have talked about it. Everybody on the outside seems to think Cooper Rush is the favorite. And then, and I'm not saying he gave anything away, but today at his press conference, Mike McCarthy said, "Obviously, Garrett has a little more experience than Cooper because he's been here." Which, for, first of all, really, <laughs> really, has he? Has he? <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure. I thought I that was that. an
2: interesting comment.
1: Yeah, I was like, he's Mike. He's been here for like ten days. I don't know if that is enough to qualify, but. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe maybe McCarthy thinks Garrett Gilbert has more of a leg up than we think.
0: All right. Let's move on to the next question with the strength of Pitt's rush being their defensive ends. Those are the guys that we hear about. Those are the guys that tend to end up with the sacks. I think they have three defensive ends that all have six-plus sacks this season. That being said, is it a better strategy to have Zach Martin at tackle this week? Now, I know. I'm going to preface this by saying, Dave. I know that the Cowboys are probably not going to do this. We know that, okay? (laughs) This is a hypothetical, and this is your own analysis. Do you think this is a week where it makes more sense for the Cowboys to have him at tackle because of how good their defensive – or their outside linebackers in this instance are? Uh, Let's start first with you,
5: Dave. (laughs) Still mad about this, Okay, (laughs) okay,
1: like
0: (laughs) –
5: Still mad about this? You always
1: act like I never (laughs) – You always act like I never play along. Um, I will – let me say this. I mean – like I said when we were on with Bucky, like Pittsburgh's got some badass defensive tackles too. So you're giving up something there by moving him. Yeah. But yes, I would, I would play, I would play Zach at tackle. TJ Watt, maybe you know, maybe the best left end in the league. I don't know if that's oh, true, but okay. he's in the, he's in the, com- he's in the conversation. He's certainly in the conversation. Uh, I don't like that matchup for Terrence Steele at all. I would okay. move Zach
5: for sure. Well. But let me ask you this, Dave: Do you think that they will do some more wildcat? And if they did more wildcat, I think keeping keeping Zach Martin there in the center of the line might be better because I mean that's where some of those that's where some of the blocking is going to need to be. And I don't know if Terrence Steele is that bad of a run blocker. I mean, I think he's decent there. I, I think I think he just doesn't have the. Or the techniques really for those quick edge rushers like TJ Watt. I, I kind of think if this is going to be one of those slow down type of games that you do need to run the ball, I think you, having a better guard in there might be better. So I don't know if I would switch this week. Amber. And and That's I agree a, and I wait, agree sorry. with what Dave said. I don't know if the, their strength is really their outside of the rush. I think they they get the benefit because they get the meat there because the pocket's always collapsing. I don't know if the the strength really isn't in the the, the defensive tackle. So either way, I mean, I probably would keep Zach where he is in this game.
0: Dave, do you have something you were going to throw in there?
1: It's it's a really good point. I guess I'm expecting them to play it pretty traditionally, and I mean I'm sure there will be some wildcat snaps, but. I still anticipate it looking more normal than that, which I disagree with. I think they should run Wildcat every play. But, you know, if you're going to ask one of these guys to drop back, tw- you know, 15 to 20 times, I feel very bad about Terrence Steele dealing with that. Amber.
2: um, That's an interesting point that Nick made and, and today's point about the Wildcat. I mean, it. I find it hard to see that they do play so many wildcat plays, you know, like that, that's difficult to do. Especially, one, you need to be successful at it. If you are not successful at the plays that you're creating, it's just not going to work and you're not fooling anyone. But going back to your question, one, of course, we don't think that Zach Martin is going to be moved to tackle. But me personally, I would. I would like. I've been wanting them to move him to tackle for several weeks now. But for some reason they keep thinking that Steele has it down and that's their man and okay good for you guys protect the quarterback let's just try to limit injuries from now on but it's it's gonna be tough to watch that matchup
0: yeah i think the the interesting thing here is that you, you have to try to make the evaluation of is the difference between Steele at tackle and let's say mcgovern at guard Looney, what's that, or, looney. What's that diff- or Looney, whichever yeah. one. What's that delta? Because that really is what you're, what you're playing with. Because I think Zach Martin will be
5: good at either one. I personally believe that. That's what I was going to say, though. Do you think he would be just as good at tackle as well, he is? We've seen dark? it once
0: this year, and he looked really good. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't see any problems there. <laughs> so sure. so I'll, I'll have to. Now, by the way. Seattle doesn't have going? a T.J. Watt, though. Exactly. That's where I was going. It, if, if you're going up against T.J. Watt, you're not going to win all day. You're going to give up something. I don't care who you are. If Lyle Collins was out there this week, we'd be saying that's a matchup to watch because he's going to have some challenges there because TJ Watt is that good. But that all being said, giving up one sack if you're Martin versus
5: giving up three sacks if you're Steele,
0: I think that's a sizable difference.
5: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one guy that needs to really step it up, it, it, especially if they do Wildcat, is, is Biotish. His snaps weren't very good, especially the ones to Zeke. It always seemed like they they were really slow and kind of off-centered a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's going to be something that needs to be cleaned up, too. I mean, if he's going to get the ball, he's got to get it quickly. All right, we're going to take our final break when we come do we back.
1: Think... No. Ahead, Dave. I... Do we think? Go ahead, Dave. What do you have? Do we think? that Joe, like Tyler Biotis is definitely the starting center? Do we think? Do we know? That is actually a great question because that
0: was the question I was going to pose when we came back from break. So I'm going to give you guys a break to think about it. And then we will talk about what we think Joe Looney's role will be and what we think his role should be in this next game. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio.
1: We're back with a
3: tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen.
1: Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo, that's music to my ears, okay.
3: Let's play. Cream soda and Dr. Pepper time.
4: Pour it in a glass of
5: ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New
1: Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda.
4: A delicious duet. There's nothing as unique as our eyes. Which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you. Barrelux for super sharp vision, Essential Blue for protection, and Crizol for freedom from glare. Three cutting-edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs, insist on Essilor. Visit your local Essilor experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor.
1: The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where Turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way.
5: All right, you can take AT&T Stadium and especially their food home with you. Yeah, craving? You can. If you're craving the AT&T Stadium's famous Cowboys cheesesteak or nachos or a yeah, Cowboy Rita when you're watching the Cowboys at home, bring your favorite stadium food to you. Place your order online and pick up at AT&T Stadium every week this season. Check out the menu at com slash at home Have you guys done that yet? I have not, but that's making me hungry, man. I'm so hungry. I just want to know where is it coming from? Yeah. Is it coming from? from the stadium? What do you mean? comes from the stadium? Yeah, that's where they make it. What do you mean? It seems like kind of a trek up to all places Oh, but if you had to, if you were like getting it like yeah. say
0: in Frisco or Plano. Yeah, yeah. But For people that don't know this area that's like 30 45 minute 50 minute
5: drive. Anyways, away. that's not part of the read. Part of the read says just do it. Yeah, just do it.
0: Just do it. It'll be good. You'll enjoy it. All right, let's get back into the conversation of this Cowboys offense. My next question was going to be for you guys, as Dave uh, talked about just before the break. What do you expect Joe Looney's role to be this week and what do you think it should be? Uh, let's start first with you, Amber.
2: I would imagine it to be similar to what we saw last week and I What I would like is not going to happen. They keep telling, I mean, what I think requires a lot of shuffling around. And clearly, they do not want to do that. So, I just, I don't think they would take out Tyler Beatish out of center to plug in Joe Looney uh, as a starter again. But then at the same time, I'm kind of doubtful about that comment that was a unique that brought it up, a comment that Joe... Made as yeah, far as he, he maybe he
5: said next week I should be out there next week but and then as Dave said where I don't know yeah somewhere uh, the, I don't know this is this is tricky because it's the, I think it all stems down to what like what are they really trying to do like I mean are well, you Jerry made
0: it clear last week what they're trying to do or earlier this week when he said they they are looking at young guys and okay. that's kind of how they're thinking about then, the rest of the season
5: then I from from what. I have been told that they do want to keep that core of Connor Williams and Biotish and Zach Martin because those three are probably going to be the interior of the line next year. And if that Mm -hmm. is the case, then that's what I think they do. And I don't know where Joe Looney fits into that then. That's interesting. But to be honest with you, I mean, that probably makes the most sense.
0: Dave, go ahead.
1: I, I look at Biotish the same way I look at Trayvon Diggs. He needs to be out there. You know, I know. You know, mathematically they're still alive, but they're probably not going to win the division. And I know he's he's not going to get to work with his preferred quarterback, but he can still reps are good. You need to be getting reps. You need to be working on. And and he's shown enough promise. He's not a liability, so he needs to be in there playing and getting better. So I hope. And that, it's no disrespect to Joe Looney. It's just business. You know, Joe Looney's got eight games left on his contract. Tyler Biotish is a rookie draft pick. Uh, so I hope that they wouldn't plug him back in. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe when he told you that he meant field goal team or something, I don't know. Um, but, or, but, well, he was, if on the they want to move team,
5: but he, but he did play well, last. I, so, yeah, cause that's, I he, I don't know. The only guy that didn't, if play they want to move, yeah,
1: if they want to move Zach to right tackle, I'd be fine playing Joe at right guard. Uh, but I don't think they're going to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's, Unless you're plugging him back in at center, I don't know yeah. how it makes sense. And I hope, you know, I don't think that's a good idea.
5: And if you're talking yeah. about playing younger guys like Biotis, then McGovern would probably want to be your guy over over Looney. I was, Lord knows he needs to play because he yeah. just doesn't have a lot of snaps under his yeah. belt. So if you're going to play young guys, I just, I, you know, it doesn't seem like a great spot for Looney.
0: Yep. All right, let's uh, move to the next question. With all the tricks uh, that Dallas pulled out last week. Versus Philadelphia. Do you think they have to play more of a conventional game this week because they've now lost the element of surprise? Nick, let's start with you.
5: Um, you I like like the trick plays um, when they work. <laughs> um, but no, I, I like them. I mean, I, I think you have to. I, I think you have to do both. I, you can't just line up and beat them. You just can't do it. You never saw the teams in the '90s really do it because they didn't have to. They just run over you, and they, they this team obviously can't do that. So I do think you need to trick it up uh, a little bit. But but I like the slow down. I mean, uh, you know, slow down thing. Um, Game plan as well. I mean, but I'm I'm taking my shots. I'm taking some reverses. I'm doing you know. I'm definitely going to do a flea flicker for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but every you know, game. every game at least once. But yeah, I, I I would I would do some of those tricks. I still would, Dave. How many? I,
1: I hate to put anybody on the spot, but how many trick plays do we think they ran last week? Like five, maybe.
0: Yeah, five, six, and it also seven. depends on what
1: you're calling a trick
0: play, right? I mean, it, you know, if if you're calling a, a a reverse or double reverse, a trick play, I yes. mean, those are, but they're relatively common in the NFL now, right? Not for this team. You're right, not for this. Not team. for the
2: Cowboys, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah that's true. I, I, I would. My like six, my seven.
1: point, my point being, if you're an NFL offensive coordinator and that's all you can come up with, like you you shouldn't be one. Like <laughs> people are like, oh, they. They they emptied the playbook. Like, I hope not. I hope I hope you dozens more of those. And maybe they would never see the light of day, but like that's what football coaches do. They draw up plays while they're eating lunch. That's what that's fun for them. So, I would hope Kellen Moore's got a lot more left in the bag and they absolutely need to do it. Uh, you know, they they need to the Wildcat needs to be part of this. Some trick plays and uh, and not even real trick plays. That's a great point, Derek. Like A jet sweep in 2020 (laughs) is not a trick play. It's something you should be doing anyway. Yeah, I got a trick. You should be doing it all the time. And the other fun thing is, you know, like I bring up the Rams all the time because I admire them so much. Like, all you have to do is change the formation that you run the same play Mm -hmm. out of. Like, you can run the exact same play and move a guy to the other side of the formation and it's completely different. So, it shouldn't be that hard to trick this thing up again. And if they think that they're going to win playing traditionally, they got another thing coming. So yes, they need to be
5: doing it again and again and again.
0: Dave, okay. I mean Nick, were you about to say you had? A,
1: yeah. I
5: said I got a trick play. Was that this? This will work. I've seen it work before. All right. All right. Statue of Liberty. No. Okay. It's fourth and one, and you're at midfield, and you're like, are they really going to snap this? Are they going to snap it? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. And the guy goes up there, and whoever it is, Rush or Gilbert, just like hut hut. I mean, really try to do it like t- ten times in a row. Stand up. Walk yourself to the line. Walk yourself like you're going to call timeout. And then snap it to the Snap lineback. it to Zeke. Yeah. Because by that time, those linemen are tired of being in their stance and they kind of see the quarterback walk off. It's all you need. Snap it to Zeke. First down. I've seen it work. It has worked before. Do it. You want to see it. Kellen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Would right. you rather see that or a flea flicker? Oh, I want to see oh. that. Well, I want to see the flea flicker, but I'm telling you this. If that happens and they score a touchdown, like, my phone will break. Like it'll. I mean, every what, the flea flicker. Yeah, because yeah. every time if Cincinnati's playing Tulsa on a Thursday night, and and somebody runs a flea flicker, oh, yeah. You're gonna get I get tweet. mentions like a lot of them. So if the Cowboys ever run it, when Jason Garrett, seriously, Jason Garrett waited twelve years for you to do that. You come <laughs> back here and throw a flea flicker. All
0: right, break. let's see if we can get one or two fan questions here before we end the show. Amber, what do you got?
2: Well, speaking of Jason Garrett, this is a pretty blunt question. Uh And since I don't have to answer it, I'm just going to throw it y'all's way. So, after everything that we've seen so far this year, could it be that Jason Garrett possibly was not the one necessarily to blame for the (laughs) results that they've had in previous years?
5: Dave? You want to take that?
1: I (laughs) mean, I'm I'm not afraid to... (laughs) I'm not afraid to answer the question. I'm just perplexed, like, why it's being asked in the first place, I guess. Like, yes, he was the head coach for a decade. Like, everything everything that goes wrong falls on you when you're the head coach. And, by the way, like, the Cowboys, you know, we, we hesitate to say effort, but, like, the Cowboys had these mental problems last year they got their butts kicked half a dozen times people are like they never they never quit on jason garrett like they got destroyed four or five times last year like buffalo and chicago just dragged them up and down the field uh and by the way they went eight and eight and and didn't have nearly the injury problems that they're having right now so uh yeah this season's going poorly it's about as bad of a start for mike mccarthy as you could ask for but that doesn't magically make the problems of the Jason Garrett era go away.
0: Yeah, the fact of the matter is the head coach is responsible for the result probably more than anybody else in the franchise and or on the team at least. And so the way I look at it is – if you're, if they played bad last year, yes, Jason was the problem. He was at least part of, a major part of the problem. By the way, that also means that this year, Mike McCarthy has to take his lumps for being a part of the problem because they are 2-6. Right. and six. So, yes, absolutely, last year Jason was a part of the problem, and absolutely this year Mike McCarthy's part of the problem. That's the point of a head coin. coach. You have to figure out when things aren't going right, how to right the ship and how to get your team to play above their heads. If you can't do that, then you're not doing your job well enough. And I think most coaches will tell you that. They'll admit that that is their job. That's in the job description.
5: You're responsible for the final result. I'll, I'll leave us with this, and if we're done here, the, this I got a tweet. usually don't take these tweets to the air, but this is from the handle. It's This Defense Can't Tackle. That's the name of the handle. Mm. And it says, <laughs> man, who would you want to start on Sunday, Garrett or Cooper? And then he says, man, the Joneses really love Jason Garrett. One quarterback has his last name, and the other one looks like him. <laughs>
0: And with that, we appreciate wow. you guys joining us. We will be back again tomorrow. We will let you know <laughs> what, what will happen Sunday. Cowboys versus Steelers. It is a 3.30 kickoff at AT&T Stadium. Until then, for Nick Eatman, Dave and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break. Live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio.
1: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club.
0: How
3: about this, Cowboys? Yeah!